listening to Carnivore Conversations, a podcast exploring the benefits of keto, carnivore, intermittent feasting, and other lifestyle hacks. Each week, we'll be interviewing a special guest from the keto carnivore community and so much more. This is your host, board-certified and practicing physician, Dr. Robert Kiltz. Well, it's really exciting to have you with us today. Thank you, Dr. Bright. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Great, 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 great. Where, so maybe you could tell uh, everyone a little bit where you're at in this world and, and what do you do and how you got to this crazy uh, world of, of uh, carnivore and, and keto and stuff. Okay. I'm, uh, I live in Southern Italy, the bottom of the boot in, in Puglia, and I'm an osteopath and naturopath. And I am mostly practicing online now because during COVID, we actually had to close hands-on studios um, in Italy. Um, I got, I was low carb in my 40s and late 40s. And then I hit menopause at 52. And I did a lot of research and saw those horrible things that were supposedly going to happen to me. My boobs were going to drop. My brain was going to fry. My bones were going to shatter. And I said, this can't be right. And I did research and I wrote a book. And that's why I decided that high fat was the way to go because I would make my own hormones out of the saturated fat I eat rather than having to take some molecule ID pharmaceutically produced concoction. Do, do And where tell us a little bit how you got into medicine in the first place and decided to go be an osteopath and then found your way as a naturopath. Well, that's an interesting story. Um, I actually, I studied martial arts in China, did some Chinese medicine, and I was amazed by manipulation. Um, classical osteopathy is what I do. It's, uh, it's what's mostly done in England. Um, it's a small, A.T. Still is Amer- was an American who invented osteopathy in the days when they were giving morphine and mercury as, as uh as medicines and he's his children died from uh the flu the spanish flu and he couldn't he found that he could help people in a different way by by obviously anti-inflammatory processes in their tissues etc etc so um i found that very fascinating and i went back to school studied osteopathy and then i found that the people I was treating, mostly women who were in their 40s and 50s, had sort of the same tissue presence. Their tissue was congested. And so that was a sign of inflammation to me. And no matter how many treatments I gave them, I realigned their spine and their uh, reduced the inflammation by inhibition, spinal inhibition, they'd have to come back to me, would come back. So I figured maybe it's something they're eating or some way they're eating. So I went back to school and luckily where, where I went to school again in England, um, they were, had a course on naturopathic endocrinology and there was a lot of focus on keto and I sort of ran with that and that became pretty much the backbone of my practice. And, and, uh, your, your, your book on, uh, Let's see, and, and forgive me, I just need to get myself one second to get uh, to get situated on good fat is good for women mm-hmm. and, and menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what was the sort of the driving force to that and and your experience that really brought you to sharing your your knowledge and experience for well, my menopause my menopause i said this shouldn't happen this is not natural uh, the body is an osteopath you you put the body and as an osteopath you put the body on the path to healing so you remove restrictions from healing instead of suppressing signals from the sympathetic nervous system or any part any tissue that is saying I need help. Instead of squashing that, suppressing that signal from the body, you you put it onto the path in order to not uh, not present that signal, not communicate in that way. It's communicating deficiency. It's communicating imbalance whenever there's an issue. Illness is deficiency and imbalance. So my own um, menopause inspired me to write the book and I my research showed me that with uh well Kristen Hawks who's an anthropologist uh, an American who um is the person who uh first spoke about the, the grandmother hypothesis so why do women live long why do we live longer than chimpanzees what is menopause for well menopause is for we're not supposed to crumble and die chimpanzees and apes keep having babies in their 50s. They have babies till they die. So it's very nutritionally expensive to have babies. Hence, menopause, we evolved to have menopause as humans so we could live these long, fruitful lives where we can take care of our grandchildren, study art, do all the things that we couldn't do while we were fecund and raising children. So that is what inspired me to Further, she spoke about Fernand Labrie, who did some papers in the 80s, put out some papers in the 80s about DHEA, how DHEA is where most of the, where 85% of the sex steroids are synthesized uh -huh. through the adrenals, and that the ovarian estrogen and ovarian progesterone and ovarian testosterone is only necessary for fertility. Uh -huh. So if you're not fertile anymore, you don't need them anymore, except women have always been seen as simply vessels for procreation and all their health issues. Medicine has always, I call it the medical male gaze has always focused on the woman's uh, reproductive apparatus as a source of all illness. So that mindset in the medical world continued on after the uh, discovery of synthesis of estrogen in the twenties further on into the thirties, they only discovered cortisol in the twenties. So um, they assumed that we would crumble and fall apart if we didn't have this stuff once we stopped bleeding. So you're, you're, you're in martial arts, um, you are naturopathic medicine, osteopathic, and where's this modern medicine, where's our disconnect? Because in your particular practice, you, you connect with with your your community, your patients, much more than, and again, in modern medicine, it's it's a pill, a shot, or a surgery. Yeah. But but in the naturopathic osteopathic world, there's there's a, a little bit more integration. Yes, yes, definitely. So for me, especially the what's is the problem with? I'm kind of the doctor from 150 years ago who looks at your tongue, who looks at your the skin. Uh, I mean, as an osteopath, obviously, I don't have an online patient in front of me, but I make the, uh, I'm, I get the information that I need to know if their tissue tissue is congested in certain places and what and and why would that be with my you know very long questionnaire. Um, 
the disconnect comes that you're trying to uh, medicine is palliative care. As I said, it's suppressing the signals from the body. The body is very good at communicating that something is not right. And a symptom is a communication. So osteopathically, naturopathically, we try to figure out where that signal is coming from and why and remove the, uh, the, the obstacle to healing what that signal is trying to say. So for instance, for instance, depression, uh, depression is related to low cortisol levels, bipolar, uh, bipolar states are related to not enough brain T3. I mean, this, and, and the high fat carnivore diet, 75% fixes almost everything because you are giving the brain adequate nutrition as in the form of ketones, you're um, removing inflammatory foods, which are uh, carbohydrates, which can make people crazy. Blood sugar issues, reactive hypoglycemia is basically a death state. Your body will tell you you're dying. So you'll have cravings, which are because you're having too much of an insulin swing up and down. And people instead eat sugar pills. So, you know, I get people's blood sugar balance so they don't go crazy. So in, in essence, over the last 50, 100 years, we've, uh, again, maybe even longer, how in the modern world, science has sort of pushed this plant-based diet on, on us, which likely has contributed significantly to the growth of the diseases and the challenges we're suffering from. And, and tell us how you sort of have worked your, your, your magic into sharing why fat and butter uh, is, is so important uh, for, for not only women, but men and all of us. Yes. Okay. Well, the butter thing came from me trying to, I'm, I try to make things very visual and easy to understand. So if, if you're trying to explain to somebody 80, 20%, 80% fat, 20% protein, I came up with one stick of butter and one pound of protein would get you to an 80, 20 range. So that's why the stick of butter thing came around. It could be tallow. It could be fat trimmings. It doesn't have to be butter. Any saturated animal fat, not avocado oil, can't make hormones out of avocado oil, mm. has to come. We can only make hormones out of animal fat, which is cholesterol, which is at the top of the hormone cascade. And um, as far as history is concerned, we used to use lard. Uh, I think the pie, I, the pie chart for what a person, the healthy diet in the 1940s was a circle. So it was a lot of meat, a lot of fat, a certain amount of protein. You know, they, they had it even right around the war, right? Right around World War II. There right. wasn't this tiny pyramid, tiny pyramid with a tiny meat up, amount of meat on top. But people would do, those days were doing a lot of manual labor. So you could understand a certain amount of carbohydrates that might come in handy for somebody who's a lumberjack or, or farming huge tracts of land physically, right? Now we have machines that we don't have as much manual labor. The, um, I really like going back to Belinda Fetka, Gary Fetka's wife, her papers on the, on the origins of the anti-meat uh, propaganda, which basically started with sickos, Kellogg's and mm -hmm. Graham, the Graham cracker and Kellogg's cereal who saw meat as a, um, because it gives you hormones, made you want to masturbate and have sex. And that was bad because of the Victorian era. So the, the fewer, the more grains you eat, 
the more you don't want to have sex. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really where that came from. McGovern's diet czar in his, he was a Seventh-day Adventist. So it's really since the 80s that all this Harvard, the Chan, Harvard Chan, uh, they're run by Seventh-day Adventists who don't want us to eat meat. So it's a controlling world in essence. Uh, I always say it's the, the a few masters want to keep the masses meek. Well, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't want to go into conspiracies, part, but I, I, I'm on, used, it's I'm the using it. It's a story that I, I think ultimately it's like politics and religion. We yes. all, everyone has these belief systems. We push them on the world, but in, right. in fact, we're, we're really determining for ourselves and each of us is responsible for what we put in our mind and our mouths. And that's why it's so important what you're sharing, especially mm -hmm. for so many women that are, uh, that are finding so many diseases young PCOS, metabolic syndrome, uh, endometriosis, pelvic pain, hysterectomies at young ages uh, that, that, that shouldn't be happening. No. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're finding. I mean, you're in Italy, but although you're, you're, you're still global. Yeah, I'm global. Uh, Most of my patients are outside of Italy because Italy is a focaccia pizza, pasticceria, beer is water. The cheapest beer is cheaper here than water. So uh, where I particularly live, there's a famous Peroni, which is factories nearby here. And literally people start the day with beer and focaccia and that's all they eat. So Italy has the, south of Italy has the highest rate of juvenile diabetes in the world. So, you know, Mediterranean diet, well, we're not, Greece has the second highest rate of diabetes. So since Americans came over from the US opening all their fast food chains in Greece, Boom, diabetes skyrocketed. So, well, for, for women, it's really important because then we're going to have to talk about iodine, of course, because people are having hysterectomies because they're not getting enough iodine. So the, the pill they took when they were, well, they're not supposed to have their period till they're 16 or 17 anyway. And you have mm -hmm. these nine-year-olds with preco precocious menstruation because they're moms and parents. And already we know that diabetes is, is epigenetic. So a precocious period, if your mom is eating a ton of carbohydrates all the time, has low thyroid, has low iodine, you're probably going to get your period earlier too, because it raises estrogen. Carbohydrates raise estrogen levels to the point of causing endometriosis. That's why Michael Fox, that guy had, had success with, uh, um, stuff what fertility with a ketogenic diet just as you do right you take a lot of carbohydrates you want healthy estrogen levels you don't want growth unnatural growth estrogen levels and that's what endometriosis is iodine comes in because our the thyroid takes potassium iodide the breasts the uterus and the ovaries and the prostate in males take a boatload of iodine and that prevents cysts, that prevents fibroids, that prevents um, anomalous growth. Diminished ovarian reserve, premature menopause, yes. premature menstrual periods, all those things. But you also have to take out the carbohydrates, doctor. You have to, you can't just do one thing. There's no one magic bullet. It really is the combination of these things that I think that Iodine was used so prevalently until 1948, the stupid Wolf Chaikov, which they 
10 years later admitted that they had basically lied. Um, iodine was used for hyper and hypothyroidism. It was used, it was used so pervasively that um, some people didn't like, they wanted, there were no medications being sold. So, so um, you really have to include that. And I think that our iodine sources were more uh, prevalent because cows, milk from cows had iodine. So cheese had iodine because the cow's teats were washed with iodine. Now they use chloride. Chloride is a halide, which will interfere with iodine absorption. Fluoride will interfere with iodine absorption. There's so much stuff in our water and in our everywhere in our food now that will prevent iodine. Whereas in the forties, it wouldn't. So you're going to have an increase in iodine deficiency for that reason. What's the best natural source for iodine? Because ultimately for the you know, majority of our evolution, we didn't take supplements. So what's right. the best way for those that you know, want to focus on just the natural uh, forms? Well, for a majority of our evolution, we didn't, but we also, people in Switzerland in the thirties had uh, mental health, mental health disabilities, right? It used to be called cretinism. The goiter belt in the U.S. is Tennessee, where my family's from. There are plenty of places where there is no iodine-rich soil where you grow the stuff and the plants you eat or the cows that graze on it will not have enough iodine to give to us. The main thing, though, is that the source has always been a bit difficult. In 1894, the king of Sardinia and Liguria, so Sardinia is way in the south, well, not way in the south, the sea. It was just not together, right? He was the king of these a huge area of northern Italy and this big island, Sardinia. Everybody was iodine deficient. So he in he mandated that iodine be added to salt. But the problem is that iodine vaporizes, iodide it vaporizes right away when you open it. So it wasn't anything that was going to help very much. Mm -hmm. We've seen that the iodized salt only prevents goiter. It literally only prevents the thyroid from swelling and asking for more iodine. It's not going to help fibroids, cysts, et cetera. It's not enough. So the RDA is way too small. So I would say in the modern world, the natural, there is no adequate source. Um, you take iodine, you take Lugol's iodine. In Japan, obviously they eat a lot of seaweed. You could say that kelp would be a source, but in today's water, it's also full of mercury. And the same with fish. Uh, you're getting yeah. that same contamination yeah. from fish. Smaller fish. Yes. Yeah. So I would say that I, I would recommend supplementation. This is the only, I don't recommend supplements. That's the only one I recommend. So tell me about the, the Lugols and the recommended uh, uh, use and, and um, for people. Yeah. So Lugols is um, in, in the U S you can buy J crows, which is the oldest purveyor of I of Lugols. Um, and now they sort of market it for veterinary <laughs> uses and they say, do not ingest. Um, but I recommend, and they hide the 5% somewhere on the website. I have the link, but they kind of push the 2% because of everybody saying, oh my God, you're selling iodine. So I recommend 5% just because it has more iodine than the 2%, obviously. And I recommend two drops minimum. If you have cysts, if you have fibroids, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You'd need a different protocol, but just the get-go, two drops of five percent would be a good idea. In in uh, water and coffee and your food and or on your skin. Yeah. No, no, no. On your skin, it will. You can do the patch test. Of course, some of it will evaporate because iodine vaporizes. But 
um, in water in a gelatin pellet, gelatin cap, if you hate the taste. Uh, a lot of people put it in coffee. I'm not putting it in my coffee because I got good butter in my coffee. But um, it. some people find the taste terrible. Some people light up when they taste it and they, they really feel they, you know. So is this like, da daily, a, a daily, daily use? Daily, daily, daily. Can you talk a little bit about uh, fasting and what, what oh. if you utilize that as a, as a modality for health at all, or it's just. No, uh, no, I do not. I recommend not fasting. I recommend, I, most of my patients come to me with compromised adrenal and thyroid function. So fasting, we know T3 levels plunge. If you fast, if you, if you're malnourished, T3 levels will plunge. Um, Fasting is a stress. People are trying to lose weight. They're, they're signaling their body that they're starving and they will, the body will hold on to weight as a form of energy to keep you alive. What do you need when you're in danger? You need to run. You need to have energy. So your liver is putting out tons of blood sugar into the system and just to keep you running. So your body doesn't see the pounds that you have in excess and that will provoke uh, the body to hold on to more weight. So you won't lose the weight you're trying to lose and you will lose, uh, hold on to more weight. And I, I, there are many people who tell me fasting stopped working for them. I fasted in my teens. I got pregnant, had an abortion. Boom. My body didn't allow me to fast anymore. It didn't allow me to even eat a low calorie diet. It just said, oh, we realize that you are at this age and you have fertility. So my endocrine system said, no, we're going to make sure that you keep on a certain amount of weight just in case you want to have a baby. And I so had to Sophia Clemens, paleomedicina also does not utilize fasting. And I find it very interesting. I typically do one meal and, and then one, one snack in small amounts. Uh, I, I occasionally do a two or three day fast, but it's interesting. I'm finding it, a, I'm feeling a little bit more stressed in my body when I do that, I don't need to lose weight. I just, you know, sometimes I do it for the sort of like to do something hard, but, but I'm finding a little bit more stress in this. I'm 67 almost. And I, I feel a little bit more of the stress of the fast. And, and uh, if I stick to just fatty meat, uh, I feel the best and yeah. uh, work to stay away from those, but I haven't been focused on the iodine supplementation. And, and I'm going to work on that a little bit more. I have it in the cupboard but I just haven't been using it uh, as yeah. readily. Well, really important for prostate health. And only, not only prostate health, I mean, every mucous tissue in our body, that means vaginal, uh, nose, intestinal, uh, his, needs a ton of um, iodine molecules. We first, before we formed the thyroid, the iodine, so we came from the sea, right? And right. we had to keep, take the iodine with us. First, the first creatures had iodine absorbed they had like they just had it in their intestines and it was absorbed that way but it wasn't benefited humans evolved i mean the mammals evolved from those uh single cell creatures and the thyroid is the first um hormone producing organ in the human body and it's also the first in the fetus so the iodine is really important as is the thyroid Tell us a little bit about um, uh, physical activity and and how our bodies can maintain strength 
uh, throughout our lives and what are your general recommendations and your habits? Okay. So I used to run too much. Um, I kind of burnt my adrenals out. I ran, I used to run way too much when I had my two younger children. And then I did Kung Fu. I fell in love with Kung Fu and I did that too much. So that's involved with fighting and the forms were not an issue because the forms are, you train a hard, a form is like a kata and karate and you, you do all these movements which simulate fighting for like a minute and a half. So that's, that was healthy, but fighting, sparring, which was obviously the most exciting was not healthy because that was obviously putting my body into a fight or flight state. I stopped for two years when I got menopause, I realized that I had overdone it. And right now, and I just went to kettlebells. I did some barbell stuff. And now I'm obsessed with paddleboarding because I live on the sea. I moved from Northern Italy and I love paddleboarding. Um, I dream about it. So I go out and I notice that it's quite cardio. I mean, it's using every muscle in the body because there's balance, there's core work, there's legs, there's, if there are waves, which is more fun, uh, my heart rate goes up. And I noticed that if I do it two days back to back or three days back to back, I won't sleep well. So the cortisol that I produced during that session, if I don't allow myself to recover, it will affect my nighttime sleep cycle because my cortisol will stay high. So it's, it's possible to maintain your, your physical strength and, and agility and stretching by just going out and being active and doing something. Yes. If you're not, there is something also called convalescing. Someone who isn't well needs to convalesce. Someone who isn't well needs to stop and rest. It should be fun. It should never be something you push yourself to do. If you're pushing yourself to do it, it's going to be seen as stress. And that's really what's, that's really important. And the other thing to mention is that you can obviously on a high fat carnivore diet, I build, I'm building muscle. Um, The muscle if you eat protein, it's more likely to turn into muscle if you're eating a high fat diet because all your energy is coming from fat. The muscle, uh, the protein is really hard to turn into energy. It mm-hmm. has to turn into glucose. So the body doesn't like doing that. So if you're just eating a ton of protein and the excess of it was, will turn into glucose, you're not going to have enough energy to do the activities you like. I think that there's absolutely no reason why on a um, 80-20, I build muscle, I eat 80-20. I did have a gentleman ask, ask me what he needed, and I said 70-30. So it's, it, 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 there, there's a little variation for each of us, but, but it's definitely not meant to be 80% protein and 20% fat. It, it needs to be a, a higher percentage of our calories from fat in, in that nutrition. Yes. My husband eats 80, 20 and he's a bike rider. He's 76 and he, uh, he has huge muscles on his legs, of course, you know, so. My my older brother is uh, almost 76 and he's a big biker and swimmer and keeps moving. Uh And that's when, and in a community, uh, what, what tell us a little bit about community and connections and, and how we sort of also can maintain our, or uh, joy in life. Okay. Well, I have a family. I've got kids. My daughter's having a baby. Oh, nice. And on the 17th, her art show is opening on the 17th, and she's due that same day. Hopefully, it'll be a day later. 
Um, yes, community is very important. Actually, we moved to Body. We like it better because people are more friendly here than they were in the north. You get the people you say hi to every day and that kind of thing. Um, you definitely have to have interaction with other people in order to have joy. Absolutely. You can't just be sitting in your house on the computer all day. I feel that my paddleboarding, I'm not on a team. I was asked to race, but I don't want to, I know that I would be competitive and I would lose sleep the night before races. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I think sense of community is very important. Adrenal, maybe tell us a little bit about the adrenal glands and, and uh, you know, adrenal fatigue or how important it is in, in our lives to sort of work on maintaining our adrenal health and wellness and best ways to do that. Okay. Medicine hates the word adrenal fatigue because it is kind of a misnomer. Right. Um, the adrenals, unless obviously they have a tumor, which is very rare, won't have a problem producing uh, hormones and neurotransmitters. So the hormones come from the adrenal cortex and the transmitters come from the medula. medulla. So serotonin, uh, dopamine that everybody's always talking about. That's not just brain. That's, that's adrenal production. Um, adrenal fatigue would be when you have had cortisol, your cortisol ramped up for too long, which is what happened to me with my fighting. Um, I would come back and be shaking, but boy, was I high. Uh, I could do anything. Um, your, your, uh, your ACTH, right, which is producing the pituitary, will no longer produce, will no longer stimulate the adrenals to make cortisol because you have abused it. Because having a high cortisol level for a long period of time is degenerative. Just like taking cortisone pills will make your bones turn into, you know, brittle, fractured mess. Um, the same thing is with uh, having high cortisol levels. Your body will naturally prevent that from um, happening over a prolonged period of time. So the adrenals will not be stimulated. Unfortunately, this also affects your immune system because the adrenals are the immune system. Cortisol is a stress response. They regulate, it regulates the level of uh, white blood cells. Everything that is our immune system um, comes from the adrenals. And so if somebody has an autoimmune condition that will, and high inflammatory markers, that will raise, obviously that is a state of high cortisol. So a high fat carnivore diet is perfect for that because you are removing inflammation, lowering cortisol by, by there are uh, just by giving the adrenals what they need and, and reducing the stress load. Um, studies show that athletes recovered faster from a high fat diet. Their cortisol, obviously their cortisol levels rose high while they were doing their athletic activity for two weeks. They measured high fat uh, diet versus a low fat diet. The cortisol levels returned to normal much more quickly on a high fat diet. A keto versus carnivore and, and plants, uh, uh, in, what particular about the plants do you focus with your clients on what may, may be damaging and harmful? And did, did you, do you talk about keto versus carnivore to your clients? Mm, yes, I wouldn't call it keto. I would say go 95% carnivore. I would say keto to me means um, making cookies out of almond flour, which is horrible because of the phytic acid and the horrible anti-nutrients in the almonds. 
I would say more variety in your carnivore diet. If it's not a religion, you don't have to be all, all meat all the time. Um, you get to a point where you have to have a protocol. I have a protocol where you introduce foods and to see if you react to them or not. Some plants are innocuous. Lettuce is innocuous. Lettuce is what? It's like chlorophyll and water. You know, there's not, there's no, no ancient nutrients in lettuce. Mushrooms are not beast or plant. They are this creature that is in between. So I looked up the anti-nutrient content for patients and there are some mushrooms that are very innocuous and don't cause any problems. So I would, some people love it and they want to stay just eating ruminant and fat because it makes them feel so great. Some people really miss variety. Egg yolk is a great food, but egg white can be inflammatory mm -hmm. people with autoimmune conditions. So we go slowly and you have a yes list and a no list. And then they end up eating, you know, they want to add bacon. They want to add other foods. Uh, one lady wanted to add salmon and oysters and absolutely those are fine foods. It doesn't have to be, of course, they're carnivore foods. Sorry. But um, I think you get a lot of variety on a carnivore diet and then it's so easy. It's the, the, the shopping is, is nothing. Oh my God. We used to have piles. There's something called green chard in Italy. Green chard is yep. very available. I go by the fruit and vegetable guy and they're constantly trimming and trimming and you have this huge amount. Yeah, you can compost it, but the bang for the dollar, there's so much more in, in, um, in meat. So are you mostly online today in your practice versus hands-on as an osteopath? Well, I do have patients coming from far away to see me because I did treated her back and she was amazed. So you, I'm mostly online. Um, absolutely. Um, I love treating patients osteopathically. I've kind of gotten to the point where I'm recommending people to go to a certain kind of osteopath in the U S because I, if they send me pictures, I can, I can diagnose the issue. Um, so, but yes, I'm mostly online now. Are, what, what's your sense of it? Are you, are you having fun with it more? So do you think, and, uh, or is it just learning something new and different in this world of COVID? Yeah, I really, well, the, I mean, I had to basically wear a hazmat suit and wear a mask and have gloves on my hands. And how can I treat somebody? Every osteopathy is tactile. So I couldn't, I couldn't feel tissue congestion. I couldn't, I couldn't feel how the spine was, you know, where there was compression and rotation. It was horrible. Um, so, so that I can do with people who come, who know me, sometimes patients online turn into physical patients very infrequently, but sometimes, and I, I like it. I figured out a way to get the same kind of information as if I was touching congested tissue. I figured out a way to see, see the patient as it were online. And there's a lot of mindfulness and mental uh, capacity to changing the physiology of our bodies. And just even our, our, our brain still doesn't understand that these online devices and seeing pictures is any different. And, and so there's some real value to that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I get more, I mean, imagine somebody lying on a table and I'm adjusting them. I get more of their history in an online um, consultation than I would in an osteopathic consultation. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts of 
pregnancy, I know how I sort of approach it. I think it's, you know, I say carnivore throughout, even pregnant. But you... Absolutely. Um, my daughter's pregnant and she's having her baby and she was carnivore. I think she's still mostly carnivore because a lot of her friends are not. So it's difficult if you want to be social. Um, my son is carnivore. He's a musician and he's uh, had uh, arthritis in his hands. Mm -hmm. um, 33 arthritis. So he went carnivore, very happy with the results. Um, my other daughter also, he's mostly carnivore, but her partner is not, he's Italian. So that's a little difficult, but absolutely pregnancy. You will get, the thing about pregnancy is the first peak uh, when you are pregnant, your progesterone will spike like crazy to make sure your immune system doesn't kick that fetus out. And that if your blood sugar is not balanced, you will have nausea, you will have issues. So the high fat carnivore will ensure that your blood sugar is balanced. I often uh, tell my, my uh, pregnant women that if they have nausea and vomiting, it means fast, eat less for a little bit, but sticking to carnivore, the fat, because I say the, the, the reason it says it nausea and vomiting is don't put those toxic foods in my body, which right. from the baby abortion pill and birth control pill originally all made from plants and the plants yeah. that's toxic yeah. and need to stay away from it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that you could say medically removing carbohydrates is is fasting, right? So, so if you're if you're eating some fat, you could be doing that. You'd still be fasting, right? So that would allow your um, your allow your you need energy, definitely. So, so in um, in teaching young young uh, uh, young people that are interested in going to osteopathic medicine. What, what is your advice and in, in what you've seen in your uh, uh, few years of doing this and your experience uh, in this new world? Well, it's very different. What I The type of osteopathy I do is very different. I heard that in New York, it's, I was trying to send a friend to an osteopath and he doesn't manipulate anymore. So definitely you want to find a program that will teach you general osteopathic manipulation um, as opposed to physical therapy, physical therapy, sometimes for, I, I have a friend who got a, a cortisone shot. So her physical therapist could do the exercises. The body is saying, don't move that, don't move that limb right now. And you're forcing it and doing these exercises. I, I just find all that really crazy. Um, osteopathy in classical osteopathy is really, was really born in England. And there's a small program. There's a, well, it's a big program, but it is all it's global and mm -hmm. they take they have uh, graduate courses uh, from all over the world, Japanese, Sweden, Russia. Um, and uh, the first two years of osteopathy is always basically what everybody does in, is pre-med. Mm -hmm. So you're learning medicine, but you're not ever prescribing it. <laughs> Yet in America, uh, uh, osteopathy, uh, osteopaths also are, are practicing standard medicine. Yes, they're 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 telling my women to take HRT, and uh, it's changed. Uh, At still is rolling around in his grave with frustration. He never wanted that to happen. Yeah, there's such a big push to supplements, herbal medicine, uh, and and pharmaceuticals. Uh, money, money, money. 
What's that? Money, 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 money. If you sell something, you make money. I don't have any supplements. I don't sell anything. I recommend iodine. I believe that if you eat, are eating the optimum diet and you remove inflammation, then you don't need supplements. You are able to get it. You're supposed to get it from your diet. Is there a way to measure iodine deficiency or excess? Uh, excess, excess, you pee out. There's no excess. Okay. Deficiency to measure with the Hackala Lab 24-hour iodine uptake. Um, iodine uptake. So they give you 50 milligrams of iodine and you collect your urine for 24 hours and they see how much you have secreted, excreted in those 24 hours. What's left of that 50 milligrams of, of yoderol. And they've got that down pretty well. We don't have that in Europe. So we, I use the old fashioned iodine patch test which is imperfect. Obviously, it's not going to give you a percentage. It's not going to tell you how much bromide and halide. They also tell you how much of the, uh, it, there's a detox involved. Uh, you can measure the halides that are coming out along because the iodine flushes out the halides. Um, patch test, some of it, yes, it will evaporate, but there's a huge difference between somebody who comes to me and put the, puts the patch test on and it's gone in an hour and a person who's, it's not gone in 17 hours. Mm -hmm. So obviously that one hour person needs more iodine than the one who it lasted 17 so, hours. So you can't overdose on the iodine just like you can't no. overdose on salt because uh, your body excretes. Exactly. Or magnesium. Magnesium gives you diarrhea if you take too much. Iodine comes out in the urine. It's water soluble. All this comes from the yodophobia of uh, people they, and those rat, Wolf Chaikov used radioactive iodine on those rats. Mm -hmm. They used radioactive iodine. Radioactive iodine is toxic, right? Exactly why right. iodine is used to remove radiation. All my Russian patients knew all the Italians has not a clue. They just say, oh, I go to the beach every year. My Russian clients in around Northern Italy, they had, oh, yeah, we used to take these because of Chernobyl. They know all about iodine. So radioactive iodine, the problem with testing is that the parameters are looking for radioactive iodine. They're not looking for organic iodine. So, so other, other minerals, we're, we're getting it from our, 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 our fatty meat, um, zinc, uh, magnesium, calcium. What, what's your? Yes. And so we really, people shouldn't have to worry about those things as long no. as they're eating a meat fatty meat rich diet oh, good salt salt is an electrolyte sodium potassium chloride magnesium chloride you know it has salt it has the it's an electrolyte if any you, special salts that you recommend unbleached salt himalayan salt uh redmond salt you guys have in the u.s i'd have to pay like 50 bucks for it for it to come yeah. here yeah, i'm amazed <laughs> how expensive the salt is 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 in the in this world it's a little crazy. What about uh, things like organ meats? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on organ meats and how important they are or they're not so important? I would literally only make a woman eat liver if she had zero iron. Somebody who's getting iron transfusions can eat a bunch of liver. I would recommend three weeks of, I don't know, 300 grams. But usually I don't because I don't think, I mean, other people don't need it. I think what your liver is simply a lot of 
minerals, a lot of nutrition in a small package. An egg yolk is a lot of nutrition in a small package. So it is denser with what we're talking about, the trace minerals, et cetera, in the liver. Um, but if you cook your meat medium rare, you're not losing it in the cooking process. I don't think organ meats are a necessity to be healthy. Um, there is the whole possibility that if you have water soluble, I do believe that your body knows how to deal with things like this, but um, fatty, fatty, uh, fat soluble vitamins like vitamin A could possibly become an issue um, as Judy Cho pointed out. I haven't had any, I don't recommend liver. I recommend beef and lamb. So I don't use it as a therapeutic tool. What about things like oyster, crabs, uh, lobster, clam? Are those just sort of fun things that people can add, but they're not necessary? In well, oysters are really rich in zinc. That's why they're called an aphrodisiac. Because mm -hmm. um, zinc, zinc, <laughs> zinc is a good nutrition. Um, I don't think it's something you have to add. Uh, oysters around here are horrible. I put them in the grill, they explode. They get, I have to get them from France. Um, I think shellfish is low in iron. Uh, oysters are particular because they're very high in zinc, but, but most seafood is low in iron and low in fat. So I err on the side of caution that I think uh, fatty ruminant meat would be more nutritious than a pescatarian diet you know, people eating a lot of fish. And um, any variety that, which your general meals are, tell us a little bit about what your daily boring. habit is. That's boring. I eat, I eat uh, tomahawk steak because uh, I used to order 30 pounds of Irish grass-fed beef from Scotland like every two weeks. And that's all we eat. But then the the fat quantity changed, and so I get it. I get uh, meat from my butcher. And I don't usually like Italian meat, but there's some meat here. He has some. He actually gets the whole animal. So most butchers in Italy would just get cryback pieces. So there's no fat anymore because it's already been processed. Mm -hmm. So he actually gets the half the animal, and I get diaphragm, which is skirt steak. I make jerky out of that. I'm crazy about that. And I eat, uh, I guess, the ribeye and the, the tomahawk, whatever that is when you cut the bone off, and coffee in my decaf. I don't have any stimulants. Decaf for breakfast with a ton of butter. Lunch, I have about 200 grams with some butter. Dinner, I have 200 grams with some butter. If I'm working, I'll run in the kitchen, get some jerky and snack on that and run back to work. I have a half a shot of bourbon at night watching TV and that's it. Any, any other uh, splurges like ice cream or anything like that that you do from time to time? Yeah, from time to time I'll make a chocolate mousse with 85% uh, chocolate. So it's not sweet, uh, 125 grams of butter, whip in eggs and it hardens in the fridge. In the summer when my kids are here, I'll make ice cream, which has two tablespoons of sugar, heavy cream, eggs. I use the egg white. Um, you know, they used to make sherbet with egg white to make it hard. I don't use any. So the egg white gives it the ice cream consistency. 
the firmness. But I don't do well with uh, heavy cream, so mm. I only make it when my kids are here. Oh, nice, nice. How about your husband? How's he doing it? Does he do this uh, particular? Exactly. Uh, He's more pork. He likes pork. I don't eat as much pork as he does. Do you think there's any real difference between pork and 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 beef in in its value for us? I think that pork used to be carnivores and chickens used to be carnivores. I, there was actually a place in northern Italy where we could get chickens that ate worms, but only when they killed them after they were no longer producing eggs. So yes, there's a higher omega-6 content. If you're sick, I would say, if you have an autoimmune uh, issue, I would say do an elimination diet and see how you do with the pork when you add it. Uh, there was a question here. We have some people on, on live today. and really grateful that you're here, Dr. Bright. This is really a, a special occasion. Thoughts on Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis and do, do you test it or treat it any differently than we're talking here today so far? Yes. So very, very, I go very, very elimination is crucial. Probably they can eat a varied diet for quite some time. Um, and I would recommend natural desiccated thyroid. Particular brands? No. Okay. No, it's one of the oldest. Armor is grandfathered. The FDA can't get rid of it, trying really hard to get rid of it, but they are now using a new tact saying that because it comes from an animal, there's a possibility of mRNA particles, which is not true, but it's one of the things that they are trying to use as a way to get rid of it because it costs more. The whole thing is that meat costs more. Anything coming from an animal costs more than something that is either plastic or synthetic. And that's the, the crux of the argument. That's really the problem. Are you able to find uh, the desiccated thyroid in, in Europe? Yeah. All the factories closed. The Italian one closed in 2011, but there are, ways to get it shall i say is it porcine? is it is it porcine, porcine powder yeah porcine powder it, yeah. It, i mean i guess could you just eat the thyroid gland i had a patient in california try that and they did in the 1890s start people who had goiter on sheep thyroid but uh, then they discovered when they got more sophisticated that the pork that the pig thyroid's production is very akin almost exactly like the human so you're getting the ratio of T4 to T3, T2, T1, and calcitonin, because the thyroid makes calcitonin. That's why levothyroxine is not recommended. Um, calcitonin is important for calcium regulation, et cetera. Um, so the pig thyroid is so much like the human thyroid that that's what they've used since those days. They've figured that out. And cow thyroid is completely different. It's has a ton of T4 that you can get over the counter because it makes everybody feel terrible. Of course they sell it, but it's not doing anybody any good. It's not going to get anybody's down. That's for sure. And what about um, ovarian tissue and testicular tissue for uh, the, those suffering from uh, menopausal or, or, you know, or men who want to add a little extra testosterone? Is there any value to that? Do you think? Well, I like glandular. I like glandular products. Absolutely. I have used glandular products with women who had uh, issues getting their period back. Um, I don't think it's going to 
it's very glandular products are so gentle that I don't think you're going to see, I don't, and I don't measure people's numbers. So menopause to me, you shouldn't be taking anything because you're making it yourself out of fat. So why take it? Um, I definitely somebody who is, has amenorrhea and it, I, I have used it in the past, but I have found over time that um, if there's a thyroid issue, addressing that is much more valuable. And so going carnivore, the, the, the idea that, again, the life-changing events that happen naturally for women and men, uh, and women, especially when we talk about menopause, we've sort of made it to be sort of this horrible thing that you just, you know, you, you're, you shouldn't have to go through. And here are these drugs that will allow you to live this life that, that is perfect, where in fact, menopause is natural. And, it's a good thing. Right? Right. You're 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 at least living through that. And yeah. you can still live That's a vibrant thriving. Yes. So what how can we share that better with uh with the communities in the world? Oh, you should thrive through menopause. That's why we evolved to have menopause. So we would thrive till the ends of our lives. Um having babies is very nutritionally expensive, and not having babies, that means you can get to enjoy yourself for the last 50, 60, 70 years of your life. Now, I don't know if we could see the book cover here, uh, your book cover probably doesn't show up very well here, but uh, uh, good fat is good for women menopause. Maybe you just tell us a little bit about what, what the importance of, of this story is for young and old and all of us and sharing. Um, it's it's. Oh. Don't be afraid of menopause. Don't listen to all the hype. Don't listen to the propaganda. From adolescence on, it's important to eat a high-fat carnivore diet or a high-fat varied carnivore diet um, because the fat is, is going to make your hormones and regulate your cycles. Um, it's a lie. And that's what I make clear in my book. Menopause, uh, male sperm count and flow reduces precipitously with uh, with age, so it's not like it's only happening to to women. Um, we women are not should not be identified. All their health issues should not be identified by their reproductive organs. So they shouldn't take them out. Um, they shouldn't cut them out willy nilly as they have done. If there is a fibroid, it's because there's low iodine or there's a thyroid issue. So more more thought, more time. It's almost knee jerk, this hysterectomy should be, the physicians should spend more time looking at why this would be happening as to, oh, we can cut it out, she doesn't need it. I've seen endometriosis, PCOS go away on a, uh, a fatty meat diet. Yes, and, absolutely. And, and fibroids shrink if not go away. Yes. So that's the amazing story where, and I'm a surgeon, and, and and I talk so much about this, and you know, there's this there's this push to get it done fast, but it really it takes months to maybe a few years even to see some of the healing from yes. these diseases. Yeah. Well, because the the body it takes a long time for the body to trust you again. I mean, it's made this thing. Any any neoplastic tissue is the body's attempt to fix you. It's the body's attempt to make goiter. The goiter is because the, the thyroid expands because it's trying to get bigger to get more iodine because there's not enough iodine. So once once it doesn't have to do that anymore, it consumes itself just like a slip disc or the body. What is it gets rid of it once it has what it needs. Any any thoughts on on uh, 
sleep and rest and napping. Okay. Sleep is hugely important. A lot of people wake up in the middle of the night. They start at two, four, five. TSH and and cortisol start to be secreting start to be secreted at two o'clock in the morning. So you're supposed to have this nice gentle arc until the morning and boom, it peaks. And if you're not waking up bright eyed and bushy tailed, there's something wrong. So you might wake up at two because your body thinks, okay, cortisol, boom, some kind of stress response. Unfortunately, we work out our stress that we've had during the day at night because we're not distracted. Um, I'm dark room, mask, light, anything that's a stimulant has to be removed to enable sleep. So coffee, alcohol, uh, cannabis, all those things are stimulants. Adaptogens are not adapting. They are stimulants. They make you not feel what you are trying to not feel for some time. So stimulants have to be removed. A routine is important. And, and um, reducing stress levels. That's really what is the only way because your body if it's, it thinks it's in danger it's not going to let you sleep it's watching it's the night guard it's guarding you from danger and well, another area that's a couple questions coming up on cholesterol it mm. is 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 there any truth to cholesterol science and that cholesterol and fats are the damaging components to our body no we've seen many meta-analyses show that there is no there is no association with there's no more more higher mortality with higher cholesterol. If a patient comes to me with low cholesterol, they're either vegan and malnourished, low being 200. Now, 10 years ago, I think it was 300, right? It's gone down, 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 down. It was 250. I know it was 250 six years ago. So the total keeps going down, 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 because there's no way you can have a cholesterol of 200 and eat right. No way. You have to have a statin. So unfortunately, I've learned that in the U.S. you have you get pinged. Your record gets pinged if you have certain insurance companies will penalize you for having high cholesterol. It, cholesterol so is crucial as an anti-inflammatory substance, crucial as a hormone precursor. Sorry. Thank you so much for being here today. Anything that you wanted to make sure gets uh, gets shared out in this uh, in this world of health and wellness? Women should not be afraid of fat, animal fat. And and I always say being fat's not the cause of disease. It's the plants that you're eating that are the deadly thing and you're not eating enough fat. And uh, yes. when you eat fat, your fat, your excess fat goes away. You yes. feel better. You're vibrant. And those the, the proper hormonal function of your body is happening, especially between the thyroid and the adrenals. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, your book is, is outstanding. We're really encouraging more and more people to uh, get out there and read. And uh, good, good fat is good for women. And good fat comes from an animal, not from a plant. Yes, that's why I put the egg. The egg was kind of a joke, you know, because it's fertility and stuff like yeah. that. They say you're not fertile, but here's this egg. So, yes. Well, and I tell you, if, if uh, infertility is the, is the canary in the coal mine, if you're mm-hmm. healthy but infertile, you're not healthy. Right. It's one of the first things to go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You can't, you can't procreate. You can't, your body will not allow you to procreate if things are not all right, because you're passing it on to the child. You won't, the child will not be functioning properly. The fetus will not be properly endowed. Well, where, uh, how can people find you, Dr. Bright? 
Uh, Elizabright.com is my website and there's a contact there. And we'll share it with all of our community and also share a link to your book. Uh, really spectacular. Thank you. Thank you very much. We got it together today. So yeah, yeah, we did it. Thank you. All right. Well, thank yeah. you very much. God bless you. We'll see you again very soon. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Thank all you. Right. Take care, everyone. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Carnivore Conversations, hosted by me, Dr. Robert Kiltz. And don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Check out drkiltz.com for more and subscribe to our Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook for more inspiring content every day. Take care and see you next time.